0: Greetings, this is Kurt. Here we continue with the third and largest portion of Book One, Enchanter's Lot. If this is your first visit to the Harkin Theater, we recommend you step back and find the first episode of Prelude, The Hostage Prince. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, share, and follow on your favorite platform. We'd like to hear from you. Simply send comments, compliments, and questions to our email. If you care to be a benefactor and help in keeping these complex productions coming, it's very easy. Just buy me a coffee via the website coffee.com listed with the description of each episode. And thank you truly for listening. Through the gateway and enter the universe of the Harken Theater. This is Episode Twenty One. The Harken Theater presents the sound plays of. A Bridge of Doom, by Kurt Paul Hotelling. Book One, Part Three, Enchanter's Lot. Chapter 25. The stars were just beginning to lose their brilliance when a dragon's wings cut through the air above Hope Town. Only a lone constable on foot patrolling the streets noticed the momentary sound overhead and, when looking up to see nothing but the fading night sky that had been his silent overseer since midnight, forgot about it amidst the more immediate concerns of his duties, and a... Distant pounding on the doors of the Athenium aroused to tremble from a comfortable slumber. Blinking groggily at the stars still shining outside his window, he scrambled out of bed, pulled on a robe, and stumped his way barefoot down the stairs to the main chamber and the outer doors. Asleep on the downstairs desk, his pitchwing, muff raised a heavy eyelid, cooed sleepily, and returned to. a sphere of incandescent yellow appear over the person nearest the door. It
1: is Gaywon.
0: Allowing his seeing spell to evaporate, the wood appearing solid again, he snapped fingers and the double doors unlocked themselves, swinging inward silently. To his surprise, Gaywon's and Cheney's entire combined company marched inside. Sorry for the early call, Trimble. The yellow sphere floating above him illuminated cheeks that were pink from either exertion
1: or cold. What brings you back so soon? The
0: very fate of Hopetown. He tossed back his cloak and rested hands on his hips. Behind him, the others gawked at the interior of the Athenian, despite
1: it still being mostly in shadow. Thank you for answering the door. And what else was I going to do with all that racket? (laughs) Whatever your problem is, can it wait while I have my assistant brew some tea? He had noticed the
0: elves shivering despite the mild temperature outside. Their eyes brightened with gratitude.
2: would be most welcome.
1: Though he
0: preferred to wander about in the dark, Trimble supposed some of his guests would be more comfortable otherwise, and, with an absent gesture of his fingers, brought flames the stairs.
1: Everyone to my upstairs chambers. Sunlight, Sunlight
0: streamed through, through the window of, the of the upstairs berth and warned several of the company who were asleep, were asleep on the floor or drowsy.
1: Steepled his fingertips together. Is Blitheron still about? Gaewan shook his head.
0: There was no need for him to remain, especially considering how jittery the townsfolk can be with unusual creatures around. Very good. And I have no intention of calling for him to aid us any further, despite having created the calling for the bronze dragon, though for what specific reason he wasn't sure. He quite figured it out the, had him to the event. Gey-Won was loath to exploit the privilege beyond desperate need. Understood.
2: What is to be our course of action now? Can Hopetown muster enough force to defend itself?
0: She had never met Gawan's mentor before this morning, but was quickly developing a feeling of respect for the man, mostly because of his unpretentiousness. Something she had not known in men
1: reputed to be powerful mages. Thoughtfully, Trimble touched a finger to his nose. The question is not if we have enough. That should be no problem, especially now that we're for want. The question is, how should we organize the defense? If we bristle with men and weapons at every inroad, we should surely scare off the attackers who might easily decide to strike at another time when we would not have the advantage of forewarning. Surprise was their strongest advantage, which has now been made ours.
2: Can Garnett handle a confrontation with ten mountain men? With a half-smile,
1: a think we can help with that mountain men are vicious brutes in a fight but once frightened never come back
2: and how does one frighten a mountain man
1: with something bigger and meaner than him he, he leaned, leaned around, around them, to them to call down the stairs, the stairs. Clon, attend his protege, a young
0: steward, a healthy
3: man
1: with his tweezers, wearing great breeches and tunic, entered the chamber with a steaming brass teapot
3: in hand. More tea, master?
1: No, no, thank you. I require a message be taken to the Mount Merakhan.
3: Yes, master.
1: Blob tested the teapot carefully on the desk and nodded, eyes round with attentiveness. The message? To be carried by voice only. Find the Marshal Dearth, who lives on the mount. Explain you are my assistant and tell him he and his companions' presence are required immediately in Hopetown to help run off some mountain men. Trimble,
0: Trimble shifted a the office, small uh, box then tapped a finger on its top to make it spring. From it he removed a large chunk of bluestone, stone, clumped in a of gold The dead from To the old age with interest, having never seen him perform many of his magics before today, she had been dazzled by his demonstration when they arrived. the doors, lighting candles. Despite the fact she knew these were the simplest of spells, whatever this magic it is, however does not appear
2: to be as entertaining.
0: Gesturing fingers over the unpolished blue stone and melting it up down.
1: He then handed the stone and to the Lord. Place this necklace round your horse's neck. Its power will aid your speed and protect you both from injury should you stumble when you hit the rougher trails. Be quick. Yes, Master. The half-elf bowed his head momentarily before he turned and rushed down the
0: stairs. Amon peered with cynical curiosity at his mentor. Master,
1: Trimble rolled eyes to the ceiling with forbearance. <sighs> I've been trying to gently break him of that habit, but haven't succeeded, so I just ignore it. I don't know where he got the idea I was his master. Teacher, yes. <laughs> ah, well. Hmm.
2: Who are Marshal Durth and his companion?
1: Durth is a descendant of the first men to conquer the extensive range of hills and smaller mounts north of here. He grew up in the wild hills, becoming familiar with the hard way of life there among man and beast. One day during his youth, Dearth was hunting for small game along a rock ledge when he heard a disturbing noise in a shallow canyon below. Looking down from a concealed place, he saw two mountain men playing a game of stone catch.
2: Forgive me, but we have no mountain men on or near Grammont. What are they exactly? Some sort of savage wild men? Ah, my, my. Tis time
1: you knew. A mountain man is one beast you should not be ignorant about. <sighs> Indeed.
0: Gaewon leaned back and rested a weary head on Flayman's shoulder as she
1: lovingly stroked his brow. They are a very uncivilized race of giants, nearly twice as tall as a normal man, very strong and usually very stupid, but not too. The one thing that separates them from other wild predators is the fact that they kill for sport.
0: He allowed a moment for the information to make its impact on her as he drummed fingertips off each other.
1: Now. Stuck in the midst of the mountain men's game of stone-catch was a young emerald dragon, fenced in by the flying boulders. Earth was well acquainted with the habits of emerald dragons of all ages, and knew there was little the creature might have done to provoke such treatment. The giants had already broken the poor dragon's hind legs and were moving in for the slaughter. Having practiced dragon calls for his own protection, Dearth screamed the fierce call of an angry mother Emerald and succeeded in scaring off the giants. For them, killing the dragonling would have been a mere prank, but not when there was a vengeful parent dragon around. After they ran off, Dearth descended the ledge and did his best to help the young Emerald, splinting its crippled legs with branches and vines, and then fetching his mules to carry it on a sledge to his home... When the Emerald healed and eventually learned to communicate, it swore a lifelong allegiance to him. Remembering Blytheron's vendetta against the mountain men,
0: Beamon made a mental note to ask if his servant friend knew of Dirth and his
2: Emerald. And how have you earned Marshal Dirth's favor? Tremble
1: peered up from his fingers at her. We have an arrangement. Not too many riads ago, he requested my help in ridding his home of astral demons under the mage had inflicted on him. The things were wreaking havoc with everything he owned, and were making his dragon very ill. In return payment, he offered his services. All right. Uh, want, he heaved himself
0: upright in his chair again and leaned wearily on the desk. Weave a flag to wave at the mountain men that should hopefully send them running. We still have two problems yet to contend with. The others that were to meet the robbers we stopped, an unknown quantity, and Calron.
1: Another unknown quantity. What's his plan? What does he seek to gain by attacking Hopetown?
2: Revenge?
0: (laughs) Probably. Calron's more than conceited enough to pit himself against an entire town. But we've already established that the attack is a distraction for something else. Tremble quirked lips
1: dourly as he agreed with his pupil. Hmm. A logical assumption, knowing Calron. He's always been one for duplicity, using illusion spells in a contest of magic, forcing his opponent to expend energies on phantoms. Now. As to the unknown quantity of men who are supposed to attack, we can certainly allow Marshal Garnett to earn his supper and deal with them. As for Calron, all we have to do is reckon his true purpose.
3: Wait just a moment.
1: The quartet, the quartet at the, the desk, desk turned,
0: turned to Doron. The, the warrior, warrior braced a hand on the wall as he, he stood from where he had, he had been dozing quietly on the floor. And approached, ropes, ropes, him. ropes him. mincing his steps, steps around, around
1: the, the other still scattered.
3: If he's not after revenge, then he's after something he needs. Maybe for a later confrontation.
1: It appears we need the viewpoint of a fighting man.
3: Aye, perhaps.
1: He rested a foot upon an, an empty chair and leaned an elbow on his
3: raised knee. If the enemy has something you want, perhaps you can use to your advantage, you first try to steal it. If that doesn't work, you try to take it by force.
0: I would think we've... Both of those contingencies covered. He looked at each of them pointedly as he held up two fingers.
3: Then you would try a combination of both tactics. Distract your enemy with an attack while you steal the thing you want.
0: Which brings us back to the original question. What does Calron want? Scratching his leg just above his buskin, Durwan looked low.
3: Is Calron a fighter of any kind? Does he use weapons?
0: Not that we've seen. He prefers to rely on his abilities as a mage.
3: Does he lack money?
0: Not according to Sarnith. He gave each of those 40 men upfront payment in silver. Durwan's dark eyebrows lowered as he stared at nothing in
3: particular. All right. He's a mage who doesn't use weapons and isn't hurting for money, but would probably be interested in getting revenge. He's arranged for a surprise attack on Hopetown, hiring a small legion of fighters and mountain men. Would he be leading this attack?
0: The enchanter exchanged a calculating glance with Tremble. Mm, not likely.
3: Then I agree with Gaewan's initial assessment of Calron's plan. He planted both feet firmly on the earth. The attack on Hopetown is meant as a distraction. Being a mage who doesn't need silver or weapons, it stands to reason he wants whatever a mage would naturally covet. The
1: Athenium? How could I be so half-witted as to not realize that? Possessing our tomes alone is more than a sufficient lure.
3: You're saying he wants to take all those books you've got downstairs?
1: No, that would be ridiculous. There are thousands But we store many of the more powerful tools mages desire, but rarely have the proper discipline for using thus our purpose. Surely the Athenium is impenetrable to theft. While I'm inside, Tis, for the most part, when I'm absent, it's safe from commoners seeking to steal the odd love filter or charm. But when mages are concerned, I've never felt overly confident. For every spell of protection, there's almost always a counterspell. But, like a thief
0: picking a lock, Calron will be exposed while he's effecting his counterspell. And with that, we have our trap.
2: With tremble.
0: I wanted to see you alone. He placed an arm about, about her waist and squeezed her elbow affectionately. Now
2: she realized realize his, his eyes weren't as they should, they should
0: be. be. My dear,
2: dear I've gone. got something here to show you. The
0: pumpkin flashed in is his other own. hand. Even You're as plain as freehand, the right to her. The enchanter's green cloak had shifted to black, his eyes to white blue, his dark hair to light, his face to cow bronze (coughs) confidently. Jerking her body close to his to constrict her moving hand, he pressed his blade against her. She wanted to squirm at the sensation of his non-affectionate embrace, beat his face with her fist, scream with frustration at being fooled by pain, by the Dark Mage's illusions, but
2: dare to not move with the burn of the plane's edge over her neck. You aren't supposed to be here right now, Half-Blood. But now that I've got you, this will be so much easier. Do as I say, or you won't live to see me destroy your beloved gay one.
0: Thasgar and Gon sat at a small table situated with several others near one of the town square's many shops. Each man eyeballed the area vigilantly, both ignoring the full tangards of Trisk sitting before them. Gibberon entered the square, his manner outwardly relaxed, and pushed his way through a cluster of chattering buyers surrounding a costermonger. Coming to a stop at their table, he smiled at the man and... Relax. Relax, (laughs) fellas. Relax. Waiting
1: for that damned mage and as many mountain men as I got, fingers? Ease off. Your very stare is enough to frighten off the Dark One himself. We don't want to appear as if we know what's going on.
0: Derwan appeared from an alley between buildings, surveyed the open-air market pensively. ...then did his best to saunter over to his three associates and slide into a seat...
3: ...with his hand remaining ready on his sword's hilt. How are the others? The marshal's men are placed and champing at the bit. From what I've seen, Hopetown has rallied a good defense.
0: Always has in the past. The archer lifted his drink then stunned... Well. Huh? ...he slammed down the tankard, but Durwan restrained him from any further action.
3: Not yet. Wait until they show their hands.
0: Ah! The shots of anger and surprise in the streets came nearer to the square. Those unaware of what was to happen went for a lick while the rest quietly took their weapons. The costermongers and peddlers quickly collected their wares and rolled away their lives. A couple were stopped at the alleys by tall forms looming out of the shadows. They backed away from the mountain men, returning to the square, then abandoned their wares for the safety of the two-story buildings making up the perimeter of the market. A knot of men bearing way, swords and crossbows way. sauntered confidently into the square. Behind them lurched several giants garbed in bearskins skins and took rude clothes. Dispersing his cohorts, a lead man, bald, bearded, and wearing a rusted heart of ring Stepped forward and brandished a loaded crossbow, passing its aim among those waiting in the square.
2: Where's that water we, Marshal Garnett? We're here to settle some debts and take over.
0: Garnett stepped out from a doorway, sword in one hand, shield in the other.
3: Your debts were already paid, Lars. If you're here to incur more, I'll gladly take it out of your hide again.
0: Scowled, then waved at two of his mountain man allies, signaling them to approach the marshal.
2: <laughs> not this time, Marshal! It's your hide will be hanging from a post! I think not. Garnett
0: backed away from the giant's lumbering toward him and raised his sword.
1: Hulk Town! Fight!
0: Scores of men poured into the market. Brandishing swords, clubs, and pikes, the small battalion pressed toward the mountain men. Thasgar, Gun, Durl, and Iberon left into the fray with swords swinging. The mountain men grinned to the at each other and started shoving the townspeople back. Then one of them remembered his lobby club and swept it through one of the fronts of shouting men, the fighters knocked aside like so much fire. More men appeared on the roofs and loosed arrows into the mountain land, served to irritate the giants further, and they swung their clothes with added force. The defenders were forced to get the giant's room, no one able to get close enough to strike without risking a shattered skull or smashed limbs. Despite the distant clamor of a battle expanding from the town square, the wide forked section of road before the Magian alliance Athenium was quiet. Glancing furtively in all directions, a lone figure in a black cloak and hood approached from the center of town, crossed the expanse of cobblestone, and walked briskly to the doors of the Athenium. Stopping at the top of the steps, he pressed a hand to the lock that's far enough, Calron. Game one appeared from around a corner of the restored stone keep. The intruder turned to face him as he lifted a hand to twitch back his hood. With fair curls shining out from above his dark cloak and his cold white-blue eyes burning in his saturnine expression, he grinned sardonically.
2: How did you ever guess it was me?
0: Fatuous sobs like you are always predictable.
2: Unfortunately for you, not this time.
0: Calron's form dissolved away to nothing. <sharp inhale> <throat> blinked in bewilderment, then turned to see Flana walking out from an embrasure of a house across the road. Her face was taut, movement stiff, her neck braced by Calron's arm from behind, a bodkin in his hand.
2: Behold the prize I possess, enchanter. In
0: his other hand, he held aloft sunlight.
2: What price will you pay?
0: Aemon crossed arms and stared grimly at the dark mage. What would you have from me?
2: That which was mine to start with.
0: Calron tossed the silver headband carelessly onto the road.
2: A stone you have stolen.
0: Is that all? Just the stone? Grabbing her hair with his free hand, Cowan jerked her head back and pressed his bodgen against her neck, making her flinch at the sting of the blade just cutting into her skin.
2: Huh. You would do well to ingratiate yourself to me, Gawan. I hold her life in my hand. Drop to your knees and surrender the Dragonstone to me. Then I will kill you. For that price will I let her live. He released his grip
0: on her hair. (laughs) Gawon smiled moderately, looking as if they exchanged pleasantries, seemingly unbothered by the dramatic threat to his beloved. I must admit, Calron, you do pose interesting puzzles. What puzzle? The Dark Mage was clearly unsettled by his opponent's nonchalance.
2: Your life for hers.
0: Oh, that. Of course, of course, I'd pay that any time. I'm referring to your clever illusion just a moment ago of you walking down the street and trying to open the doors to the Athenium. Calron narrowed pale eyes uneasily and frowned suspiciously at Gawan.
2: A simple trick. It served its purpose of bringing you out of hiding.
0: Yes, yes, it did. Very well done. Except for one thing. Lifting an eyebrow, the dark mage took the bait.
2: And what would that be?
0: Crossing arms again, Gingwan smiled as if to a child. More than one can play the same game. An invisible hand yanked Calron's weapon arm away from the half elf's neck. She dropped and rolled out of the way. Then he was shoved by an unseen boot, making him stagger drunkenly as he tried to stay on his feet. Ah. He flung his hands in the direction of his invisible attack. Ah. The fiery fire ripped swiftly out of his head's paw like an instantaneous shiver of water. A head shattered and burst into flame. As flame and another wave His spell was intercepted and deflected toward a cottage by a similar lightning-fast ripple of
1: force. A one-dunnel of the half-tempered was caught fire. Looking for the source of the deflection, he found the enchanter standing a few
2: paces away from the burning edge. You bust sucking insect! I should have slit your throat when I first overpowered you. Now I'll see you crawl.
0: You'll need better tricks than what I've seen so far. Resorting to a hostage is the mark of an uncertain man. He wanted to distract Calron long enough for Flana to get out of sight. Clough waved to the half-elf from across the road. She hesitated, clearly wanting to remain near Gaewan, then ran toward the elf. Now that the field is even, I challenge
2: you. Challenge me? You dare to presume you possess even a crumb of mastery over me?
0: I presume nothing. I have challenged you. Will you meet it? Hmm. Or will you run and hide as you did in the lost city? The Dark Mage's face worked silently as he fumed, seeking some retort as he clenched fists at his sides.
2: A tactical retreat resulting from an unfortunate oversight on my part in using an inadequate geese on brutish simpletons. I won't make that same error twice.
0: You already have.
2: You've sought me out. Only to finish what I had left undone back in the underground.
0: He raised hands swiftly and said. Sent- His first attack glowered at his opponent, still standing untouched in the dissipating heat, then flicked one hand upward, sending a cluster of Task and that it required keeping the other preoccupied with spell casting. After a moment, when Calron had done nothing else, anyone decided some ego bruising was in order. Is that all you can do?
2: Have you run out of tricks? I've only just begun, insect.
0: Calron lifted his white blue eyes to something down the road.
2: Sunta! Gaewon
0: turned to see a mountain man appear from behind a distant house. With the awkwardness of his muscular bulk and size, the giant ran toward him with hard, bare feet. Having no intention of running, no matter what Cowpung threw at him, Gaewon was still taken aback at the sight of the giant almost twice his size bearing down on him. Quickly gathering his wits, he dropped arms to his sides and, with eyes Man centered himself, holding his sixth sense fully to the power he channeled, his outward expression imperturbable. Pointing at Gaewan, the Dark Mage spoke a single word of hill talk.
2: Shuckuck.
0: The giant came to a stop with a fearful grin at his intended victim. And reached down with large hands to grab the motionless enchanter. The instant his palms touched, there was a loud crack jerked hands back, thick, thick fingers, fingers, back. Thick thick fingers th- smoldering as if he had just held them in a fire. Flame watched with fascination as the mountain man shook his hands and howled miserably, backing away to suck on his reddened fingers. What happened? A1 didn't even move.
3: Tis known to very few that one should never touch an enchanter during a face-off. The power they channel raises their bodies to such a high vibration as to make a burning friction.
2: Can't someone help
3: him? Trimble is doing that right now. Hobly
2: came up behind them.
3: Who do you think did the illusion of him?
2: Let's attack Karon while he's distracted.
3: No, we must stay clear of the confrontation. As you saw, it's too easy for Kauron to focus his magic on bystanders. You would force Gawan to expend effort at protecting you instead of himself.
0: Infuriated by his cohort's failure, Kal'ron lost what composure he maintained,
2: his face contorting with venomous rage. Useless brute! Enough! I will play this game no more. I will have the dragon crystal, and I will have you! Digging hands into his pockets he backed away,
0: and flung a handful of black pebbles to the ground. Lachgahan Massage! A mist of black powder that shifted in an unfelt wind. (laughs) Then, a sharp, cold breeze kicked up, sending a swirl of dust and power, climbing skyward.
2: In the genre do I sacrifice you.
0: Quadriad Sacri! <laughs>
3: saw. She held your sword in flame. She was gone before I could stop her.
0: The last small swirls of wind and dust evaporated, and the road fell quiet.
3: If she channeled her anger through your power sword...
0: The thinning dust revealed two figures standing. One with the jeweled brow held a fiery blade pointed at the other's heart, both motionless as statues. No one remembered Flana retrieving her diadem during the duel between Dark Mage and Enchanter. The fire in her eyes was reflected in a sword, her face that of an avenging angel.
3: has made her decision. Quick now, before Calron realizes
0: freedom to slay the dark mage if she so chose. She still held the sword of infinity poised at his chest, but a strange fire was absent.
3: Will you destroy him?
0: With utter disgust, she viewed the kneeling man, then lowered the blade. I will
2: not presume the karma of killing such a worthless being. He doesn't deserve to learn the truth of waiting for him beyond the veil of death. He will suffer the retribution for his actions by a hand other than mine. Sappy free thinker. You bear! She snatched the of
0: his hair and his head No! At the last instant, she averted the blade's path in a flash of steel and chopped off the shock of the air. His he head sprung forward with released tension, and he sagged to the ground. Inspecting her fistful of hair with grim satisfaction, she opened her hand and scattered, and scattered the strands the over the cobblestones, wiggling her fingers fastidiously with the last of it. Clough, meanwhile, stared with befuddlement at Flena's forehead. The diadem was not there, apparently still on the ground under the rubble left behind by the tornado. He wondered at what had been seen. Durwan, Bryn, Thasgar, and Gibron, with Gone following as fast as the short legs would move him, arrived. Surveying the destruction, Durwan stared with curiosity at something in the problem and went to investigate. What happened? We saw the wind
2: funnel and the fire.
0: (laughs) All hands turned to care.
2: Still on his knees, with wrists bound
0: by a cloth cord, he leaned over <laughs> and
2: I may have lost the battle, but I've won the war. Gawad is dead! Gone! His demon fodder. <laughs> An enchanter's soul has been devoured. <laughs>
0: With blurred eyes, unable to stand his mirth, Flana raised the power sword again
3: and made to run him through. Then you will join him! Oh his attention was
0: on where Durmong was poking through the largest pile of debris, all that was left of the two-story cottage closest to the battle. Calron's (laughs) laughing halted abruptly, his mouth still agape. Flana stopped in mid-thrust, some unseen power holding her limbs frozen. The crunch and shift of plaster and and wood beams,
3: What are you doing?
0: He glanced at the elf with an irritated scowl and returned to his silent task without an answer.
2: He's looking for a corpse. Something I'd like to see, but the Najan rarely leave anything behind. Silent! Stopping
0: amidst his search, Durwan narrowed eyes at a certain area of the wreckage. The next moment saw him on all fours, digging furiously, tossing aside plaster and wood shards like a hungry fox on the scent of an elusive rabbit.
2: Come along, Cluck.
0: Let's give him a hand. Thadgar and Cluck ran to pull, but were hunted by the warrior's warning
3: hand. Come no closer. This mess shifts all too easily. Oh,
0: all right. They complied reluctantly and waited for him to finish. It wasn't long before he reached into the hole he had dug. Like lifting a heavy fish from water, he tugged on the cloak and brought a large form up and out of the box.
3: We've been looking for you.
0: With pride, he showed his find to the others. Oh, oh yes! Flana dropped clutch sword and bounded over to the scarred, bleeding, and
3: coughing man. I sensed his presence under the heap.
2: This cannot be! He stood up
0: with the awkwardness
2: of hands tied behind him and, and stared and in utter, utter disbelief. I called the ancient words! I commanded the Nizan!
0: Flina hugged her dazed enchanter. Oh, my love! What happened to you? <laughs> Simple. He came to a shaky halt on the ground. I jumped out of the way.
2: Yeah! Fool! I'll kill you! Ah!
0: Wide eyes glaring, he managed to move pieces before stumbling over Cuff's extended leg and falling flat on his face.
3: That will be enough of that.
0: The elf planted a firm foot on the mage's back to hold him down.
3: That explains what happened to the mountain man.
2: Oh, Kaywon.
0: on. Flaina's arms were tight around him, her head on his shoulder. I truly thought I'd lost you. After the cacophony of conflicting powers, the heightened sensation of channeling energy, and the drain of resisting the force of the Najan's cyclone, the half-elf's hug was a warm healing balm to the enchanter's spirit, and he lifted a faltering hand to hold her close. Suddenly he could not breathe, his chest litten. and he staggered back, and over air by a turtle, coughing, gasping desperately, was trying to purge the dirt and the dust he had inhaled the last thing he remembered was Flea's concerned hands on him as he doubled over trying to get air <laughs> then everything went black by Kurt Paul Hotelling. Copyright 2023. Character voices for episode 21 are performed by Christopher Adam Woodard, Kevin Norris, Marcel Hammer, Darcy Armadale Hotelling, Jay, Richard Hammer, and H. The Great